0: glad that you're here with us in Bible class, and we welcome our listening audience on KFUO. And so this morning, we're going to continue in Romans chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 14. The passage that we're about to talk about, this section of Romans, is very well known and probably more than any other passage, it explains what a Christian goes through and the Christian struggle in this world. The Christian struggle that exists between the fact that we were sinful people and then God through his word, through baptism, changed us. And we're now new people, but the old is still around. And it leads to all kinds of struggle in our lives. This passage is Paul's attempt to describe the struggle that we go through As people of the gospel, but also with the law still there. And so we begin this morning at verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. That word would best be translated spirit filled. Now, sometimes we have an inferior view of the law—the uh, laws, the bad—and the gospel, the good. But the fact is, the law of God is the Word of God, and it is spirit-filled. The problem with the law is. It is great until sin comes. Then what the law does is condemns. When you compare your life with the law of God, what you always see is failure, condemnation, threats of punishment. We call this the second use of the law. We're going to talk about that more later. But the law then condemns. Okay? Now, the other thing we have to say here, and we'll be discussing this more throughout chapter 8, the law condemns. The law can never overcome sin. The law can never overcome or conquer sin. All it can do is condemn it. We can't flee to the law in an attempt to keep the law. It does not give power It does not give strength to overcome sin. Okay? Now the verse continues But I have been sold and still are fleshly under sin. Okay, let's talk about that verb. Uh, It's not just sold under sin, it's still under sin. The verb tense there in Greek says clearly it happened once and it has further implications for the future. It's a perfect tense, further implications for the future. So we were sold under sin and that still has an effect on us. Okay, We are fleshly, sold, still, under sin. Now, notice it says, we know that the law is good, but I am fleshly. We're going to talk about the I a lot. And what we see in this word, I but the implications are are not trying to separate the good from the bad the i here means fleshly worldly and filled with worldly attribute or or at uh, how do i want to say it appetites Worldly appetites. We are easily tempted. We are worldly, fleshly. That's what's being pointed out here. But what we're going to see in this passage, and what we have to keep in mind, is the eye is the whole person. It's not half good and half evil, half new, half old, the whole person. The whole person. And what we're going to come out with is the fact that it is... We are going to come out where we conclude, I am 100% sinner, and I am 100% saint. All in the same person. You can't say 50-50. fifty-fifty. 50 We're all 100% saint, 100% sinner. And that is where the struggle takes place. Now, in this set of verses here, there are three verbs used over and over again. They're usually uh, uh, translated do Practice and accomplish. Okay? Uh, Do, practice, and accomplish. They're pretty much used interchangeably here, but we'll look for any nuance of meaning when we get it. When we get it. The law... Okay? Um... We talk about accomplishment because accomplishment brings means we bring it to fruition. It actually happens in our lives. It actually happens. Okay? Now the next verse, I do not understand what I do. I do not understand what I do. For... I do not practice, that word is practice this, but I do what I hate. Okay? I do what I do, I hate. Now, we're talking about the internal struggle that occurs within you. Now, what God is doing in you. Now that you're baptized and a Christian, okay, that was chapter 6. Now you are willing, wanting to do what God wants you to do. But you keep winding up doing what you Hate. Okay? How many times have you thought about your life and known what you should do? And you wind up doing the exact opposite. You have the desire to do it, but... You cannot accomplish it, that is, bring it to fruition in your life. You wind up doing what you hate. It usually happens because everybody's got their sin in their life they really struggle with. It's different for everybody. And nobody wants to talk about it. The other thing that bothers us is it happens over and over and over again. And we begin to wonder just how much is God going to forgive? How many times am I going to know I shouldn't do this and in weakness wind up doing it again and ask Him for forgiveness again? And God says, always. He's always going to forgive you. If you had no faith, no faith, you wouldn't care if you were doing it. You wouldn't have the desire to not do it. The fact that he is working in you, the fact that the Holy Spirit is working in you, is why you will to do it. But you do not have the strength. Now, this is not, this does not mean that this is what happens in all situations. At times, you do. At times, you don't. Okay? But in this struggle, the I is never determined depicted as two separate things, but one person. You are both sold under sin and a new person. And that is the disparity. The will of the new person, okay, let's read the next verse, okay, um, If um, I do not do what I will, then I agree that the law is good. In other words, when you will to do the good, and you don't do it, you're agreeing the law is good. That sounds stupid. You're agreeing the law is good because you will to do it. When you don't do it, the law condemns you. The law's doing its job, so the law is good. The law is good. There is agreement with that. Even in the disparity that happens, the law is good. The actions opposed to the will confirm, okay, confirm um, that the actions are what God wants. And the actions are what you can't do. The law is confirmed as good. Okay? Now, in other words, as a Christian, you can consistently will to do what God wants you to do. And at the same time, consistently fail at doing it. Okay? Consistently want it, and consistently fail. Now, this is a real dyed-in-the-wool description of what we go through all the time, captured in these words. Captured in these words. We we just... Uh, we just want to do what God wants us to, yet we repeatedly fail. Now, as I said, not always. Okay? Not always. But the fact is, now that's what happens. Now, verse 17. Now, no longer do I do this but the sin that dwells in me? Not always. You can't blame the law the I is responsible because even though that it's the sin that dwells in me, you're you're one person. We're not dividing it. We're not dividing the person. I don't do it. But the sin that dwells in me, but it's still one person. Still one person. We can't chop it up. The I is responsible. It may be the sin that is in you so that you fail, but it's still you. Paul is not saying, I'm not responsible. He's not saying, I'm not responsible. The old joke, the devil made me do it. Okay? That doesn't work, okay? It's the eye, because in the flesh, in the flesh um, is the workshop of sin, okay? The fallen human nature. Just because we're baptized, Just because we're a new person does not mean that the old sinful nature is not around anymore. They are both there. If we were dividing 50-50, then what we would have to say is, well, this half did it, but this half was against it, the whole person. Yeah. In, in verse 17, okay, uh, that is the new person, yeah, that's the new person versus the old person, it's because the sin that dwells within me, yeah. You got it right. That's right. Okay, so this disparity between willing and action, that's the problem. The sin that dwells within me gets in the way of me doing what I will to do. What I will to do. The sin gets in the way, which is a part of the whole person. For I know that good does not dwell in me, that is, in my flesh. Okay? In my flesh. Within the person, even though it's a new person, this is saying that the good does not dwell in me—that is, in my flesh. Back to the uh, the flesh is describing the old nature. The old nature, not the new person that God has worked in you, but the old nature. The old nature. So then it says, "All right, for um, what is present, uh, the will is present." Okay, I'm willing it, but. I do, I am not able to do it, the good. Now, the the Greek here is interesting because it says, what I will is present with me, but I am not able, um, but I am able to do the good, not... (laughs) That's what the Greek says. I'm able to do the good. I will do it. I'm able to do it. Not. Can't do it. I can will it, but I can't accomplish it. It won't happen. Okay? It won't happen. And uh, uh, it's kind of a 20th century Greek phrase. (laughs) Not. We've heard that before. Can I do this? Not. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cannot do it. Even though we will it, even though we want to accomplish it, when the time comes, it doesn't happen. I'm not even going to ask, has anybody ever experienced that? I mean, you think you've got sin beat. Today, I'm going to do this. You don't do it. You don't do it. Then the guilt comes. Then the guilt comes. Okay. For the good, for the good, I uh, wish to do. But, what I wind up practicing was what the evil the evil that I don't want to do. That's nineteen. It's it basically says in its own way that the the evil is close at hand. The evil is close at hand. That's what God told Cain. Beware because sin is close at hand. He used the term couching at the door. So when you're willing to do the good, when you're desiring to do the good, no. sin, evil, the bad, is couching, couching at the door. Okay, Couching at the door. Um, now, I know that some of this, the, the Greek, it sounds different. Where 19 says, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Okay. Now, then we're back to Paul's conclusion in verse 20. Okay. If I do not do what I will, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. Now, once again, please don't conclude. We can just say it's not my fault. We're off the hook. Off the hook. That's not what's being said because it's the whole person, both 100% saint and 100% sinner in the same person. The same person. But this is telling us why it happens. Why do you will this over and over And it happens over and over that you fail in doing it. It's because of the sin that still dwells in you. When you were baptized, you were a new person. But the sin is not going to disappear until Jesus comes again. Therefore, the struggle that you are undergoing is not going to stop this side of heaven. It's not going to happen. And you're going to say, well, with each passing day, don't I get stronger? No, (laughs) you don't. And when you, you, you defeat one sin, what's going to happen? Something else is showing up. You're not going to be left alone. This struggle is not going to end. Okay? It's not going to end. Um, 21. Uh, 21 is so I find it to be a law then what i when i want to do right evil lies close at hand we talked about that we talked about that now verse 22 for okay i delight in the law of god according to to the inner man. Okay? So in other words, what's the inner man? That's referring to the new person that God created in you. When, because of that new person, you delight in the law of God. Now let's refresh ourselves on the law of God here. We've talked about this before back in chapters 1 and 2. There are three uses of the law. One is to keep order in the world. That's the first use. We're not going there. Second use of the law is to condemn sin. That's the primary, most important use of the law, because if we did not have our sins condemned and did not know we were sinful, then we would not believe we needed a Savior. It is the second use of the law that condemns sin and points us to the fact that we need a Savior. The second use of the law is the most important, but it's nothing but condemnation. Now, there's a third use of the law. What is the third use of the law? The first use of the law is for the whole world. The second use of the law is for everybody. But the third use of the law is very specific. The third use of the law is... The law as a guide of how God wants you to live. A guide of how God wants you to live once you believe in Jesus Christ. Unbelievers, there is no third use of the law. It is only for those that believe in Jesus Christ. That's what's being talked about in this verse. You delight You delight in the law of God. A Christian sees the law as another way to serve God. And it shows you how to do that. That's exactly how God gave the law to the children of Israel. He had already saved them. And now he says, as my people, this is how I want you to live. Third use. So in our lives, the third use of the law seeks to guide us In how to live. In how to live. So we delight in it because it's the Word of God showing us. We confess this psalm this morning. Your Word is a light to my feet and a light to my path. Okay? Lamp to my feet, light to my path. It shows us the way that we are to serve God. It keeps us from, uh, as Christians, saying, well, I'm going to serve God this way, and I'm going to serve God going our own self-willed way. It shows us God's way to serve Him. So that's why the Christian delights in it. Okay, Delights in the law. But notice it says it's the inner man. Not the sin that dwells in me. That's not going to delight in the law of God. It's the new person that God has created in you through baptism. You're a new person. Now, remember one law, but it has different effects. One is to condemn. One is to guide and show the way. Okay. Has different effects, and we see this as we read on. Because, um, verse twenty-three. But I see in my members another law. Okay, another law. Okay, another law in my members, waging war um, against the law of my mind and taking me captive in the law of sin, okay, that is, being in my members. So, what it's saying is this, okay, it's saying, it sounds like it's seeing two laws, What it's seeing is the two effects of the law. The first is the delight in the law of God to follow it. But we see in our members another law that wages war against the delight, wages war against the delight and takes us captive to sin. This is a description of the spiritual warfare that is going on within us. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. The law of my mind is what I will to do. The law of God. The other law is the second use of the law which condemns me and takes me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. One use of the law is to guide me on the way. I see that. The other one is just condemning me all the time and, and keeping me enslaved to sin. Okay? That's the struggle, bud. Everything's bad and everything's good <laughs> in one person. Okay. Mind here is that will to do the good. Okay, The will to do the good. You think it would be heart, but it's mind. We do. We have a mind to do what's bad, and 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 when we start thinking about the good, you ever been thinking about the good, and then all of a sudden your mind kicks in and you start rationalizing why you can still do the other. Oh, well, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. So um, uh, the old the old rule is let conscience be your guide. No, 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 because you can condition your conscience so sin does not bother you anymore. You can do something so many times that your conscience literally does not trouble you anymore. So, within yourself, you have this delight to try to do the will of God and also the sin that the law constantly condemns. Okay? When the law condemns, it's waging war against the delight, and it will take you captive to be sin under sin again. Okay? Remember what I said to begin with. The law cannot give you the strength to overcome sin. The inner man created in baptism, created by the gospel, yes, there is strength and power in the gospel, but there is no strength and power in the law except to condemn. Except to condemn. now, then, uh, verse 24. The word is, can be translated wretched, afflicted, or miserable. Wretched man I am. Miserable man I am. Afflicted man I am. Because of this struggle. It's a cry of frustration. It's not a cry of despair. It's a cry of frustration. I'm trying to fight this every day, and I'm getting tired. Okay? I'm getting tired, and it's a cry, uh, uh, literally, to God. Okay. Wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Okay. Who will rescue me from this struggle? Who will rescue me from the sin that still dwells in my members? Who will rescue me from the sin that brings guilt in my life? Who will rescue me from the sin that I don't want to do, who will rescue me so that I can do the will of God? It's a question. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the one who has rescued us from the body of death. But it doesn't happen today or tomorrow. It's going to happen when Jesus Christ comes again. This spiritual warfare is going to be a part of our lives every day as long as we're on this earth so paul's conclusion now that's that's to to get over the despair the hopelessness the the wretchedness the affliction and then it says therefore okay therefore it, it's at uh, uh, both ends then on the one hand i serve the law of god with my mind But on the other hand, with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. That's back to the mind here is definitely the new man. On the one hand, I do that. On the other hand, I don't. And it's going to stay that way until Christ comes again. So Paul has described for us what we all go through many times. And sin will war against us, will war against what God is trying to work in us every single moment. The evil will be close at hand when we're thinking about doing God's work. But notice how Paul doesn't say that this struggle in any way, shape, or form, in any way, shape, or form, affects your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. This struggle shows us that God is working in us. There are times we're going to win. There are going to, times we're going to fail. In those times we fail, the forgiveness of God is there. He didn't say in the last verse, You gotta be you gotta win fifty percent of the time, or I'm not gonna forgive you. <laughs> Doesn't say that. Because he knows we can't. But he wants us to fight the battle. No matter the outcome, we fight the battle each and every day. All right, questions. Yes, sir. Kicking cats. He has the besetting sin of kicking cats. I'm with you. Go ahead. Yes, you can, through the gospel... And that will give you the strength to do so. You still may fail now and then. Uh, The question is, can we make progress in our Christian lives? Yes, but at times we still may fail. It's not permanent. Or maybe we make progress in one area, but Satan brings in another. It's always going to be a battle. We're not progressing and will not progress in this world toward perfection. We do not believe in perfectionism and that we're going to grow and become perfect even in this world. This struggle is going to go on constantly, but the sins may be different. Yes? Kicking cats. She overcame kicking cats. Many times when people come to realize the sin in their life and receive absolution or uh, through the power of the gospel stop doing it, they will come to a realization of greater sin in their lives. Um, I, I guarantee you, when a pastor hears absolution and absolves a person, that person is going to be back with more sin. They want to confess because it has that. God is working through that sin that may now be conquered. He's revealing more sin that needs God's forgiveness. Yes. Yeah, Lois? Well, uh, unbelievers, uh, I don't know, I'm not one. Uh, But unbelievers, uh, many times unbelievers do have conscience qualms, but uh, there's no way out for the unbeliever. Because there's no forgiveness. Okay? There's no forgiveness. So they may struggle with it, but without any power, without any forgiveness, this goes on. There's no resolution. But, yes... Yes, uh, the comment was, if uh, you think you're getting better, you think you're moving toward perfection, read the Sermon on the Mount, and you will be condemned. Okay. Because what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount is he internalizes everything. You have heard it said, do not kill. But I tell you, if you hate your brother, you are a murderer. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, you have a lustful thought. You have already committed adultery in your heart. You can't get past that. You can read the Ten Commandments and figure, I'm doing okay. I hadn't killed anybody. You know, you can go through them. But when they're internalized to the heart, we fail miserably. Miserably. All right, we are going to start chapter 8 next week. And let me tell you, 8 is just magnificent, but it's long. It'll probably take us three weeks to get through Um to get through chapter 8. Now just know we've got class next week, but no class Easter, okay? No class Easter. There's a Living Way service in here at 930, so no class Easter. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.